hello and welcome to Pixel Sift. My name is Gianni. This is episode 91. And every fortnight or week or at some interval on the internet, uh, we bring you a show and we speak to some of the developers from our patch of the world, the sort of Southeast Asia, Australasia part. This week, we're joined by Ali McLean uh, from Robot House. Ali, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And we're going to learn all about uh, a couple of projects that you've been working on, of, of uh, kind of in the progress with. Um, but primarily, we're going to learn about Rumu, which is a point-and-click adventure game which came out at the end of last year that we were very uh, taken by, in, inspired by at PAX. Um, we want to learn all a bit more about that today. Hey, who's co-hosting with you today, Johnny? We've also got, obviously, in the, in the studio, we've got Mitch, uh, who is doing a good job in introducing himself, and Sarah, who's joining us from uh, the internet as well. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Mitch. I didn't take over his position. Surprising. Yeah, everybody thought I was fired because you were on the show so much, and uh, yeah, that it didn't happen. Anyway. It's all right, Mitch. We're partners in crime. Yeah. What, what else are we checking out today? Well, first up, though, we'll be learning about a new initiative that you've been working on, Ali, the Working Lunch a Mentorship Program Supporting Women in Games. Very exciting stuff. All that and more coming up. Let's jump into it, shall we? Did you know PixelZip is available on other platforms? You can find previous episodes on iTunes, Pocket Casts, YouTube, and on the PixelZip website. So if you're just joining us, uh, we're with Ali. Uh, she is working on a project called The Working Lunch. Now, if people haven't heard about it, Ali, what is The Working Lunch and what does it uh, aim to achieve? Yeah, so The Working Lunch is a mentorship program for entry-level women in games here in Australia. So we kind of aim to uh, create opportunities and foster these long-term positive working relationships between women who are awesome at what they do in games in everything from art and design all the way through to finances and policy making uh, and we try to connect them with up-and-coming people who are really going to shape and define and revolutionize the industry as we go forward. Why did you guys decide to kind of formulate and start this program like what was the driving force behind that? Yeah it's um it's really I think inspired for me at least by my own experiences entering the industry. I had a really roundabout path into games as uh, I know most people do uh, and I definitely wouldn't have had the opportunities that I had or uh, been able to sort of navigate my way through the industry if not for this group of really incredible women who I was really fortunate to fall in with who gave me guidance and wisdom and emotional support and moral support. Uh, and I just wanted to make sure, I guess, that uh, the next generation of women entering the industry have that opportunity too. Uh, and I was really lucky to be able to find financial support for that with uh, a GS of the Interactive Games and Entertainment Association and they've been able to uh, just been really incredible actually in all ways from formulating the ideas with me to funding the program to helping us find mentors to everything yeah so it's been it's been great. When you were setting this whole thing up what were some of the challenges that you came across I mean in the early days and are there challenges that you're still facing now with trying to run this? Yeah, it's um, it's really hard to run diversity initiatives, as, as anyone who's ever done it would tell you. Um, it was definitely in the early days the most one of the biggest sort of challenges that we came across was trying to find a really broad spectrum of mentors because the thing about people who are suitable to be mentors is that they're all really busy, uh, and you have to make sure that a you can make time for them, but also that um, they are the right person for the program. That we don't just have 
you know, 15 people who all have similar roles, really wanted to make sure that we represented like a broad cross-section of the industry. Uh, So that was hard at first, but then luckily the Australian industry is just full of really generous, uh, incredible women. So we were able to recruit a lot of people. And then now, so we had our first event what feels like a month ago because I've been so busy, but I think it was two weeks ago. (laughs) Uh, And that was sort of our first mentor event where we got all the mentors together and we did a workshop about what it means to be a mentor, which was really inspiring. Uh, And our next event is when all of our mentees come in for the first time, which uh, I'm excited and terrified of (laughs) because there's uh, there's something very... um, personally and also professionally I think thrilling but also intimidating about all of these new minds and these people who are so inspired and so passionate and so energetic and and trying to make sure that we really do justice to everything that we want them to be able to achieve uh, is definitely uh, a task. (laughs) Do you feel like it's been very successful in in doing that and being able to lift people up so far like and how's the reception been to this so far like have you do you feel like you know you've definitely reached out to enough people and it's it's gaining traction and whatnot? Yeah I mean honestly when I first started doing this a I I was really surprised that we were able to find uh, a partner a a financial partner who uh, really understood the morals and I guess the values behind what we why we wanted to create the working lunch so I mean that that was that blew me away to begin with and then the quality of the mentors that we were able to recruit really uh, was very heartening to me and then we had over a hundred applications for people who wanted to be mentees and we only have about 10 spots uh, so that was that was a whole thing uh, and reading through, there was just, a, I think, probably the best moment that I've had so far with the Working Lunch was really that day, reading through all of the mentee applications and just being blown away by the drive and the passion and the creativity and also just the really broad cross-section of interests. And people are so passionate about really specific things. that We had this really incredible applicant who wants to make games to uh, help educate people about first aid and medicine in rural communities. Uh, and I was like, can you mentor me? <laughs> like, how, how are you so cool already? And you haven't even started your career yet. So um, yeah, it, it's going really well. Can you see that expanding into the future? Because 10, 10 spots and 100 applications, that's that's insane. That's wonderful. Like, do you think you guys will grow and open more slots for, for you know, mentors to come into it as time goes on and, and things kind of expand and it gets easier to manage? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the end goal for us at Working Lunch is to eliminate the experience of being the only woman in the room, so being the only woman in the boardroom, being the only woman on your dev team, being the only woman in a marketing conference, you know, it's uh, that's the plan. So the more people that we can connect with mentors and the more mentees and the more classes we can get through, I mean, that's obviously as, as long as we expand slowly, I think, and, and make sure we do it in a way that uh, is manageable and does justice to the amount of individual attention that everyone deserves. because. Ultimately, we want to create something that is uh, meaningful and long-term and really beneficial for everyone involved. Squint57 actually has a comment from Twitch chat. He'd like to know that um, how exactly was the project funded? So who did you get um, funding from, if you're able to disclose that? 
Yeah, so our funding comes from uh, IGEA, so the Interactive Games and Entertainment Association. They do all kinds of incredible things within the industry, advocating for the industry with government here in Australia and in New Zealand. Uh, and they're really passionate about making the industry uh, more diverse and, you know, really fixing up that 18% women working in games. So, uh, yeah, they, they fund our programs. But we also have spots for uh, sponsorship from other companies, and those are things that are definitely coming up in the future. So, you know, game studios or publications who are interested in funding events and uh, sponsoring travel for mentees and speakers to come to events. So, yeah. Ali, you spoke a little bit about um, the, the mentoring that you received. Can you tell us about why that was important for you and kind of um, developing your career? Absolutely, yeah. So I, as I said, came to games a little bit unconventionally. I started in cosplay uh, and then got into sort of marketing and community management and then production and then eventually doing what I'm doing now, which we will talk about later. Uh, so for me, it was really meaningful to find women who I could see, uh, I guess, doing what I thought I would never be given permission to do. And not necessarily because of my gender. I just thought that um, you had to kind of have this like secret piece of paper that said you were allowed to be a game developer. Like there was a secret club that you had to be invited into. And I was just kind of waiting for permission. And it wasn't until um, I met people like Megan Marie, who's the senior communications manager uh, over at Crystal Dynamics working on Tomb Raider, uh, and Ray Johnston, who's the editor of Gizmodo and obviously incredible TV and radio extraordinaire, uh, and Kelsey Gamble, who's the ANZ community manager at Bethesda. Uh, three people who definitely inspired and mentored me immensely over the, in the early years of my career and still continue to inspire and mentor me and our close friends now. Um, and I saw them really not waiting for anyone to give them permission uh, and going out and changing the industry and creating things that other people weren't creating and doing it in a way that was very unique to themselves and their own sort of point of view. And I thought that seems pretty good and then I did it. Now, um, I see that uh, Ray's working with you on, on the working lunch. Um, who are some of the other people yes. that you've got working uh, with you to, to mentor, the, the I guess, the next generation of up-and-coming uh, game makers? Oh, there are so many. Uh, you're testing my memory, so I'm going to try and remember everyone. Uh, the people who came to our mentor event uh, a couple of weeks ago, so we had Kelsey, who I just mentioned. We also had, obviously, Raylene Knowles, who is the wonderful woman who uh, is our representative from IGEA. So she organizes all of the things to do with working lunch that are uh, beyond me. So things like booking event spaces and organizing and, and bringing everyone together. She manages to somehow coordinate the schedules of some of the busiest people in games. Uh, so she's some kind of hero. Uh, and we also have uh, Lucy O'Brien from IGN. Uh, we have Stefan Dixon, formerly of Good Game, who works at Channel 7 now as a guest mentor. Uh, we have Kim Allum, who's a studio manager at Defiant Development. Uh, we have V from Stirfire Studios. Uh, we have Katie Steggs from Lumi Consulting. Um, and, you know, I, I could go on and on, <laughs> but it's, you know, people basically the big spread names. out in all different disciplines. So, mm. and, and yeah, people who really have storied careers working with some of the uh, most uh, well-known, but also some of the most interesting and exciting companies operating within the space at the moment. So it's, it's so exciting to me to think that I think if I, as sort of a, 
uh, at university age had walked into a room full of women like that and and been told, you know, you are capable, you are worthy, and there is a space for you in the industry. I think that uh, my life would have been very different, and I hope that that gets to happen for our class of mentees. I'm so excited to meet them in a few weeks. So there's a number of uh, uh, programs or part of this, uh, the working lunch. Uh, what's the next stage once you uh, meet with the mentees? Yeah, so our first, it's basically a series of workshops mm-hmm. over the course of a year. So you get it's a year-long mentorship uh, and at each workshop we focus on a different thing. So it could be focusing on teaching you our freelancing 101. So like how do you invoice people? What, what are client expectations? All those kinds of things. And there's also like a class on self-care in the workplace and you know what do I do to not you know explode of stress uh, and then also more concrete skills like depending on specifically what you're interested in we also have guest speakers at each event so we had the amazing CEO of Espresso Communications come to our last event and give us a talk about you know, the foundations of mentorship and why it matters and how it matters based on her incredible career of, of mentoring people within communications uh, and it's, it's really focused on kind of building this framework of skills and knowledge and resources and just so that you leave the program with this toolkit to really conquer the industry. And the, the core of that is really the Working Lunch Handbook, which is a book that we've been working on for nearly a year now, mm-hmm. which collates a whole bunch of different resources as well as personalized advice uh, and thoughts and wisdom from people like Brenda Romero and Megan Marie. Uh, and Siobhan Reddy and Robin Hunicky from, uh, you know, some of the most incredible women in the industry. Now, you had uh, 100 people apply, uh, 100 women apply for the first program. Um, now, I, you're going to obviously continue this on and, and let it develop. If people are interested in, in being part of it, how, how's the best place for them to, to be part of it? For sure. So applications have closed for this year, but we are always open to uh hearing from people who are passionate about the future of their careers or even people who are interested in in mentoring and coming and speaking at events. And if you follow us on Twitter, Working Lunch, and it's a one instead of an L because someone stole the handle before we could get to it. Hey, well, that or you happens. Can go to work, <laughs> you can go to workinglunch.online uh, and there are forms that you can fill out and apply and tell us what you're interested in. Even if you don't get accepted to be a mentee or a mentor, we do read everything that everyone sends us and we do. If we have anything that any anyone we can connect you with or any opportunities we think might be relevant to you, we do still reach out to everyone that we can. What are you looking for in regards to mentors and mentees? Like, uh, what what uh, uh, what would you like in someone who would like to be either of those two um, classifications? Yeah, I mean, uh, when it comes to being a mentee, the applicants who were really successful with us were people who really knew what they wanted. Uh, so people who are really specific in their passion. Uh, people who could show that they'd already taken steps towards that path uh, and people who were really interested not just in developing themselves, which is obviously very important, but also contributing to the broader industry. And so if, like, if we as a team invest in you, how are you then going to go on to make this industry a better place? Uh, that's what we're really excited about in mentees. Uh, and in mentors, it's it's a bit of everything really. We're, we're looking at people who... Uh, have something to pass on, and that could be, you know, technical skills and expertise in, in a particular area, or it could be uh, some fascinating experience that you've had with the industry and some wisdom that you'd like to pass on, uh, or it could be, are you someone who facilitates a 
internships or placements or uh, fellowships, then obviously we're interested in, in anyone really who feels that they have something to contribute to the next wave of people who are going to revolutionize games. It sounds like a, a fascinating uh, project, and I'm very excited to talk to uh, the people who, who come out of the, the project, the next uh, you know, uh, le- level of uh, mentees who come out and see some of the great things that uh, people and women in Australia can make in games. Very exciting. Oh, I'm sure you will be interviewing them. They'll all be amazing. <laughs> That's, um, uh, you can find out more about we'll, we'll be putting links up to all of that on our website um, right now, though. Let's jump into our next topic, shall we? Pixel Sim! It's not Pixel Siv, it's Pixel Sift. Pixel Siv! If you're still joining us, uh, if you're just joining us... I feel uh, like I'm on the back end of a lot of these promos. You are. You've got a very good voice, Mitch. We like to use you as, as much as we can. Um, Specifically, the word use was used there. Yeah, okay. You're, it's part we of a, use you, Mitch. Yeah, that's cool. Part of a team. Um, if you're just joining <laughs> us, uh, Ali from Robot House, uh, who has probably one of the best titles um, at uh, that I've come across uh, as a game runner. Ali, what is a game runner? <laughs> I hear this question a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, so <laughs> it's game cool runner, and cyberpunky, and I really like it. He was in it. the office earlier. It's like, she's a game runner. That's like the best thing ever. <laughs> I'm telling you what, they're podcast runner, I think. That's... I was very excited the day that I got my game runner business card for the first time. Uh, so it is kind of like being a showrunner for TV. You do a little bit of everything. It's largely a really creative role, but it's also very heavily involved in production and studio management. So I do a lot of the business side of things too. Uh, but it means that it, when it comes to a project like Rumu, I pitch the game uh, and I get to collaborate with the whole team at every stage, when it, whether it's concept art or uh, level design, game design, sound, score, you know, directing, voice actors, all the things. Get your hand. So, so um, you mentioned that you started off in cosplay. How, how did that happen? How did you move <laughs> from a very artistic? Uh, that's very artistic and very. Uh, it's a very. Um, where you make things to creating mm-hmm. digital stuff. How did that? How did that journey happen? Um, it's a it's a long story, <laughs> but I really ultimately I was in cosplay because I love games and I love pop culture and I love communities, and so it was a really natural evolution for me to move into community management. I got my first sort of real legitimate community gig as a consultant with CD Projekt Red on The Witcher 3, which is obviously a really nice win to have at the start of my career. Uh, And then I, from there, went on into uh, more sort of marketing and then production-focused things, which kind of don't really go hand in hand, but for some reason for me felt quite natural. Uh, And then luckily I, I came to Hammerfall Publishing at a time where they were ready to start their own sort of uh, their own original IP focused studio, and so I got to kind of step up, and they really took a chance on training me and, and putting me uh, in charge of something that is uh, very exciting and really a once in a lifetime opportunity. So, yeah, a bit of a crazy ride. Now, Rumu was a game that really kind of captured our hearts and our attention when we saw it at PAX. Um, <laughs> I ha- had a chance to play through it uh, completely very recently. But for people who haven't seen it or weren't able to check it out at PAX, what is Rumu? Yeah, so Rumu is a point-and-click adventure game, kind of like Monkey Island, but really, really sad and about robots. Uh, it's, it's a journey, really, an emotional journey about a robot vacuum cleaner with feelings. So it kind of explores... Uh, all these different relationships within this home. Uh, so, yeah, kind of like Wally, but there's definitely a Wally vibe. Yeah. <laughs> 
um, it, it was something really uh, interesting about this genre, and I'm, I'm just wondering why did you go towards uh, a point-and-click adventure game, and um, and what uh, sort of things were you drawing inspiration from? Yeah, Rumu uh, definitely evolved a lot from the early stages. We we didn't really know what genre it was going to fit into. We just knew we had this story that we really wanted to tell, and so it was a process of uh, of elimination, really going through lots of different uh, variations of. of of how to tell this story and what's the best way to tell this story. And, you know, to start out with, it had this crazy branching narrative and there were all these things like there was a cat AI system and there was like humans patrolling the house and, and all this kind of stuff. And ultimately, um, again, every decision that we made was what's the most faithful way to tell the story that we want to tell. And as it came around, really uh, going back to all of our roots and games that we all loved growing up, turned out to be the best way to go so you've got your monkey islands and uh and all that but also for me it was uh it was like the anastasia point and click adventure game oh, wow. <laughs> which <laughs> which is one of my fondest childhood memories uh and there are a lot of similarities between that game and rumu and no one will ever notice that <laughs> drawing your inspirations there <laughs> i'm gonna be playing them back to back now just like next to each other like next where week. are they oh, please do. <laughs> I will play it with you. It's it, fantastic. Is it you something can you can even get? Or is it like it's drifted off into the ether now to, to be able to find I'm it? I'm sure someone can, can find it. You can still buy it on Amazon. Really? But it's like a whole thing. <sighs> oh, it sounds like a yeah. project. It sounds really good. Um, <laughs> one of the things that kind of uh, really uh, sort of uh, sort of set, stuck with me was this the feeling of the future uh, that was in Rumu um, and how it felt close um, but uh, obviously still a bit futuristic. Tell me a bit about how that kind of came about and, and the story of Rumu was sort of developed. Yeah, I mean, we worked with uh, a good friend of mine and one of my favourite people in the world, Daniel McMahon, uh, who's an incredible writer who you would know from things like L.A. Noir and Forza Horizon, um, you know, games very similar to Rumu. <laughs> and I mean, Forza Horizon has wheels. Him, yep. So. And a big <laughs> yeah, heart and a yeah. big heart. Are you gonna add like? Are you gonna add like hat DLC so Rumu can have a little detective hat? Please do that. Honestly, there are so many like <laughs> videos I could send you of Rumu wearing various hats and sunglasses. <laughs> um, so, what was the question again? Oh, how did we develop the story? Yeah, how did it kind of build the world? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we knew, always knew we wanted it to be kind of near future, and we wanted to tell a story of a family that uh, people could either feel was their own family or feel that they would know someone who would be part of that family. Uh, and so it was important that we didn't go too futuristic with it. So in our heads, it's kind of 2025-ish, you know, and when you look at, start looking at kind of smart homes that exist today, they're very similar to, to our house with the uh, strip lighting that's all wired in with your Amazon Echo and your Hue lights and everything. There's nothing really aside from uh, the single emotion state appliances in the home that is really too uh, out there and futuristic. I tell you what, I've got a robot vacuum cleaner at home and it is Do one you? Of, I do. It's one of my favourite things, but I'm very cautious about treating it with respect. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and I, whenever I see videos... And like people, people say that as a joke to us, but it makes me really happy because that was one of the things that uh, when we first set out to make the game, it was like, I want people to look at the appliances in their home differently after they finish the game and think about what it means to own something 
I spent a lot of time fondly thinking about uh, Sammy, my robot vacuum cleaner. You've named it? Yeah, very oh. important. And, um, As you should. And, uh, and also because it does a task that I really don't want to do. So it's very valuable yeah. in my heart. Um, one and thing that's I. That's its purpose in life. Isn't exactly. That rough. Yeah, I know, but, you know, it does a great job. So what I would do want to ask about, uh, we're talking about this sort of uh, relation and interaction between humanity and robotics. What do you think about all those videos where they kick the hell out of those um, Boston Horrifying. Dynamics robots? Oh. <laughs> I, I really want to distinguish myself as separate to those people uh, so that when the robots do rise up, they know that I'm on their side. I think rumor was one step towards proving that to them. I think we're going to go make a YouTube channel where we're just hugging the robots and yeah, giving that was them a like terrible flowers yeah. and things. Like the one recently where it opened the door for the other robot. There's another follow-up video where the, there's a guy and he's like kicking it. Like, Not nice. <laughs> it's just Not the good. worst. God. I'm really worried about <laughs> robots that can open doors. For some reason, that's more upsetting to me than anything else. Um. It, the game is really, uh, really fascinating. It has this uh, great sort of uh, discovery style story, um, similar to games you would have played a bit like Firewatch or or Gone Home. Um, it's uh, it's a self-contained sort of story, and it's something you can get through quite easily. Um, is that the sort of game that you you like to play these days, Ali, or is that something that you just have been inspired by others to to make something like that? Oh, that's that's my favorite kind of experience. I think um, I. I really value games that respect my time. Uh, I don't have 80 hours to sink into a game these days. And so if I can get an experience that really uh, is nourishing in, you know, two to three hours and, you know, leaves me with something to think about and leaves me with these memorable, beautiful visuals like Firewatch did and, um, and leaves me with characters that I will think about for years like Gone Home did, uh, then... And that's a really special experience to me. And those are the kind of games that we want to make at Robot House is, is these contained, narrative-driven, character-driven experiences. Um, so, yeah, definitely those are the kind of games that we all play. Uh, the game came out uh, sort of late last year. How, how has it gone and what's been the reception? We were just blown away, honestly. This is our debut feature-length title. Uh, so we didn't really know what to expect releasing uh, an original IP because. Uh, all of us have, have only ever really worked on established IPs before. Uh, and also being the first game uh, for a studio and having it be such an unusual little little title about a vacuum cleaner with feelings, uh, we, yeah, we really didn't know what to expect. Um, and then it just went it went crazy. The response at launch time was, was nuts. Obviously, we got featured on the front page of Steam and that was everywhere. And then all of our reviews have been overwhelmingly positive and honestly the best part of it has been uh, this lovely community that's developed around the game and the fan art that they share and the stories that oh, the they tell so good. and the, the theorizing <laughs> as to the many questions that we sort of left up to interpretation if you're the kind of player that explores the house you would have found a few little threads that we left in there and uh, I love I love uh, going on the forums and on Steam and seeing people trying to figure those things out and, and not telling them anything. It's good. Just <laughs> leave them. Uh, now, is it uh, is Rumu's tale told? Is that it for Rumu, or will there be a Rumu too? I would say that uh, releasing Rumu in December last year was the start of our journey with Rumu, mm. uh, and I'm really excited about where we might get to take it in the future. Well, I would want to know. Want I want to know the refrigerator story. So you know, 
Yes. <laughs> There's um, some there was, a, there was a time when, you know, if you go to the fridge and you click on it and the ice will come out of the ice machine. Yep. There was a time uh, for, I want to say, like eight months of development where the ice had feelings uh, <laughs> and also the ice machine was kind of a rail gun <laughs> that would like shoot ice dramatically across the room. Uh, and that was something that got cut really close to release, but I will always <laughs> remember it fondly. We have another question from Twitch chat. Squint57 would like to know if there are any other plans for future robot-themed games from you guys. Yeah, I mean, the studio is called Robot House. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's uh, that's not unintentional. Any non-robot games in the pipeline or just not, not even going to worry no, about it? No, it's just robots and houses. That's, <laughs> that's it. it. <laughs> oh, man. I mean... Uh, I wish that I could tell you more about what we're working on at the moment, but there are there are a bunch of things bubbling at Robot House thanks to the yeah, success of Rumu and the incredible support that we've seen. Uh, so I can't wait to be able to talk about what our next thing is, but I can't do it yet. Well, it's very exciting, and if you have, uh, you know, if you've got a couple of hours, do yourself a favor, I think, and uh, play through through Rumu. It's one of the most interesting things, and I think. Uh, as a, as an Australian, I'm very proud proud that we have games like this coming out, and you know, love this future. Got to hug a robot. Go and hug a robot. Is Go my... home and dress up your <laughs> vacuum cleaner. Like I'm going to take a picture of my my robot, and you can see it. Mitch. Okay, yeah, you, I can't wait to in. have that. Yeah, bring a robot. Bring to it. The question is: Is that going to anger the robot, or is it going to express oh, your love for it? Because you know, you just don't know. You can't make an assumption. That's about true. It. I shouldn't put my feelings onto a robot. It has to be a you know two way. Well, yeah, you can like clean up the studio. That's it. Um, we'll be putting links up to, to Rumu uh, on our website, um, and you should definitely give it a go if you have the chance. Uh, Ali, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a phenomenal to learn all about the working lunch and more about uh, Rumu, and we're very excited to, uh, to, to learn more about the house and robot theme games that are in the future for Robot House. Um, <laughs> we'll be putting links up to everything on our website, and that website is pixelsift.com.au. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, you might be listening to us on uh, a variety of different platforms. We go as a video uh, every fortnight, but you can now listen to us on Spotify as well. So, you know, are we still riding high from that victory? Spotify is pretty good. It's yeah, pretty good to be there. Um, <laughs> and, and more great uh, podcasts are, are popping up there every every now and then. So listen to some tracks and then listen to some great podcasts as well. Uh, Shout outs to Spotify. Spotify, thank you. Uh, <laughs> now, Mitch, uh, if people want to find out um, sort of information about the show and, and when we've got upcoming episodes, where should they head to? Yeah, so they can that can all be found on our social network um, places. Uh, that's Twitter. You can search Pixel Seven. Pretty much anything, and will pop up. Now uh, worked very hard to make that happen. And, uh, yeah, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, it's all there. And, Sarah, we've got a, a number of uh, older episodes as well, so if people want to go back and listen to any of the other the great chats that we've had with um, developers from around Australasia, um, where should they go to for that? Well, you can go to our website to stream episodes. You can subscribe as a podcast either on iTunes, Pocket Cast, or using the RSS link on our page. And if you're listening to us exclusively on one of these platforms, I just want to remind you that we go live every fortnight and our next episode will be out on the 15th of April. <laughs> that doesn't seem correct. 15th of March. 15th of March. Who didn't edit the... Who, that's not my fault. I was actually about to do that and then fault. I forgot. That's all right. You went fast enough, Mitch, if I, I'm taking over your place. What I would say is you can subscribe on all those platforms yeah. and then uh, you won't even need to worry about the dates. It'll just pop up in your Exactly. Your you just, just why don't you subscribe? Just do yourself the favour. We're living in the age of technology here, people. And vacuum so cleaners easy. and... And vacuum cleaners, yeah. Ali, thank you. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and uh, we're very excited to see what uh, more is coming out from Robot House. 
Thank you. Mm-hmm.